feel the heat of the game. The crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache. And the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk. Celtic fans have kind of came to the end of their tether when you win a change should have happened in October and had a change happened we might be still in this title race it's baffling how Celtic conducted their business this season it's no Celtic's demise it's what Rangers have done Celtic wouldn't have won the league even if they were playing well in my opinion did I hear right that Barry saying that Ed Vag could be in the top four or six in England yes I did say that nah. well that's my opinion the Goal Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited hosted by Rob McLean Stephen Craig and Marvin Bartley. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808 1717 Celtic manager Neil Lennon says he's comfortable with his position amid the apparently ongoing club review and he says Celtic are in a relatively healthy financial position uh, despite posting a £6 million loss in their half yearly figures. Lennon's also had another blast at social media after the recent abuse and threats directed at Stoke winger James McLean. It's Celtic Aberdeen tomorrow, 24 hours away and St Mirren against Hamilton. Can they keep up their impressive run? But we're not finished yet with the football weekend, are we, Marvin Bartley? On the back of uh, Tannadice, Dundee United against Livingston, uh, both clubs are appealing those red <laughs> cards. Yes? Yeah, um, we'll definitely be appealing ours. I'm not sure um, what they'll yeah, be doing. Yeah, I think they are, they are as they well. Are as well yeah. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're both harsh. You know, I think in, in fairness to the referee, uh, their one in real time, I thought it was a lot worse than it actually was. But the you know the Fitzwater one, I think, was extremely harsh, and I think everyone was shocked on the pitch on the sideline. So I think that tells you all you need to know. Uh, more refereeing reversals? Surely not. Well, very possibly. Uh, still no comment from Rangers on their internal investigation. After a weekend party was broken up by police, Rangers say they're aware of an alleged incident. Uh, the First Minister, of course, saying yesterday, Scottish football Stephen Cregan has to get its house in order. Yeah, pot kettle black just brings to mind, <laughs> I've got to say. Um, I think there's there's certainly bigger issues. I'm not too sure it's a football issue. Because once players, as Marvin will tell you, once players leave the ground, if you're an adult, you have to make adult decisions. And if the decisions you make aren't the right ones, then I'm not too sure there's an awful lot the football club can do about it at that moment. Of course, they can look further down the line, they can punish you, you can they can have to self-isolate, they can move you on from the club. But I don't think the club can stop them. I think the responsibility has to be with the player. So I think it's a little bit unfair, a tad unfair on football as a whole, Rob. Yeah, fair point uh, from you. So tomorrow night then, coming up, uh, 24 hours away for St Mirren against Hamilton Ackies. That's a six o'clock start, as is Celtic against Aberdeen. And there's a game in the Championship as well. They'll hopefully play this one. They've tried a few times uh, with Inverness and uh, Queen of the South. That's due to kick off at uh, 6.30. For Queen of the South, that's not a trip you'd be wanting to make, only to find out the game is off again. I'm trying to think that, that must be the longest journey in the championship, is it? Yeah. You think it must yeah. be. And it's uh, in Inverness, our second bottom of the table, yet have about four or five games in hand over teams, which is great to them we've got games in hand. 
but John Robertson would probably prefer the points on the board so they'll need to start playing games soon because it's getting tight as it is Would it be the longest trip in Scottish senior football? No uh, is, would, there, is would, there a longer one than that? It would be from Berwick I'd imagine to I suppose yeah but, uh, Berwick's not in League, League 2 anymore No Previously it would have been Can Berwick. I refer you to that my original question Berwick there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think it would be close. Yeah. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Ones. Yeah, yeah, one to ponder. Yeah. Let's get the research team onto that one <laughs> and uh, we'll come back with an answer probably three weeks on Wednesday, I would have thought. Um, we're looking ahead, of course, uh, not just to tomorrow night, but to Thursday as well. European football is back. In fact, it's back as of uh, tonight. The Champions League uh, returns tonight. Marv, a couple of uh, some mouth-watering uh, matches to look forward to tonight. Barcelona against PSG is an 8 o'clock start at the Camp Now and RP Leipzig against Liverpool. Yeah, it's brilliant to have European football back, isn't it? Um, you know, personally, I think I'll be watching the Barcelona PSG one, if I'm honest. Um, you know, I think it'll be an absolutely fantastic game. But just to see, you know, this, these games taking place uh, is a is a positive move for football, definitely. And of course, uh, Thursday night for Rangers back in action, mm. Royal Antwerp in Belgium. Uh, first leg this Thursday, eight o'clock start, and then the second leg is a five to six back at Ibrox. Rangers got to lift themselves, haven't they, Crags, in terms of of performance levels for this? Yeah, listen, winning games is great, and we all know that, and it, you know it builds confidence, and they're in a good place because they're winning games, they're not conceding goals. But I think you only have to look at the creativity in their team and it probably hasn't been as as impressive as what it was earlier in the season I had a little look earlier on and I think the last 10 games they've scored 16 goals the 10, the 10 games previous to that scored 29 yeah. so it was a little bit lax Morelos has missed a few games through suspension Kimar Roof has missed a game through suspension Cedric Yitzhen hasn't scored as many goals so uh, it, it's all about getting the team selection right there's no doubt Rangers have a huge performance in them they've shown earlier in the season but form just doesn't come and go form is something you have to build over a period of time so it will be a slight concern for Steven Gerrard but I've watched a little bit of Royal Antwerp and Rangers absolutely no doubt are are, are better than them um, I think Antwerp are slightly better than standard Liège but Rangers are more enough to win the tie but their big players have to turn up so Marv, you can be picky about the performances from Rangers of late, but they keep winning or at least not losing. 29 games unbeaten now. They must be thinking about this, an invincible season. <laughs> now, the, clo- the closer you get, they're, they're, nine, they're nine games away now. They only need 13 more points to, to have the title confirmed. Maybe it's 12 mm-hmm. if you consider that 20 better, a goal difference is, is equates to a, an, another point. Uh, but maximum, it's 13 points they need. Um, and they must, be, they must be thinking, what a chance to go unbeaten through the entire campaign. Yeah, most definitely. But I, I definitely think Steven Gerrard will be saying to them, let's get the league title one first and foremost. Um, you know, I've said this before. I think if you start putting too much pressure on yourself to, you know, become the invincibles and everything else, that's when you kind of take your, your your eyes off the prize. I think it's so important that you win the league first. And if you're unbeaten when you get to that stage, then that's your next hurdle. You know, that's your next aim. But like you said, you know, the performances haven't been great from them recently, but they're not robots. You know, they're professional footballers. It's so difficult for them to be outstanding week in, week out, especially when, you know, 10 of the other teams playing against them it's their cup final you know playing against Rangers is your cup final and that's how people see it it's the same when you play against Celtic so it's so difficult for those players to to perform week in week out when teams want to just sit off them you know and basically say break us down so I understand it that they're they haven't been at the top of their game, but I do think playing in Europe is going to make them raise their standard that little bit more because it'll probably be a more open game and that will suit Rangers down to the ground. 
I've been remiss about not giving you your full formal introductions at the start of the show. I think I, I think I was thrown by the fact you, you were in so early. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think for you, five to five is an old comers record. Uh, I didn't know what to what to say to you because usually uh, we're on air by the time you by the time you stroll in. Um, Stephen Cregan, Marvin Bartley, Rob McLean, and it's Tuesday's Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. I feel we can uh, start the show now, to be honest. And uh, Brooch, uh, sadly, on the subject of back to back defeat. Uh, for 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 Levy, uh, we're all we're all a bit shocked by it just because of what went before. Yeah, um, no, definitely. You know, after we lost the first game to St. Johnson, we said how important it was to not almost go on a losing run. Um, and then you know you, you start the game against Dundee United, and 40 seconds into the game, you're one 0 down. And you know it's it's been difficult. You know, obviously since losing that game, the boys have been a bit down. But have to remind them that you know we've lost two games out of 16. And if somebody would have said that to us 16 games ago, we'd have you know bit their arm off for it. So it's all about you know thinking that listen, next game we we'll just go out there against St Mirren. It's a huge game before our, our cup final. But we can't be too down on ourselves. Yes, we've we've lost the games. Yes, there were mistakes made. All we can do is learn from them because as I said, over the last 16 games, if you would have said to us we'd be unbeaten for 14 of those and only lose two then everyone would have accepted it you know everyone associated with the club would have accepted it so that's that's kind of our aim you know can we now go on another winning run and, and good teams do you know this is this is difference between a good team and a lucky team good teams will go on another winning run and that's the aim for us now could what's happening a week on Sunday be a factor in maybe taking your eye off the ball in the last couple of games I don't think so you know I think that would be an easy excuse for me to come here and say we had the cup final but you know we knew about the cup final ever since we won a semi-final and we haven't you know lost both games since then so I think that would be too easy an excuse you know I think we've just lost to two teams who deserve to win the games you know St Johnson especially did a number on us I think Dundee United it was down to us the mistakes we made and, and they punished us fair play to them but the, you know the cup final has nothing to do with that and we're all playing for our cup final places so there's not a player out there that's thinking, OK, I'm just thinking about the cup final because no one's guaranteed to start in that game. You know, it's about the performances before that. And we don't want to go into the cup final on the back of three defeats. You know, so we definitely need to take something from the St. Mirren game on Saturday. That's absolutely vital. Craig's going to hear for a bit in the course of the show from Neil Lennon. Uh, he gave a media conference today talking about all sorts of things, including his position, uh, the financial results, which came out during the week. He's also been, been having another blast at social media. We'll hear it in a sec. But uh, the background to this, uh, he, he's basically responding to a question here about the, the abuse that's been directed, sectarian abuse that's been directed at James McLean of, of Stoke City. Just explain a bit of what's been going on. Well, it's been an ongoing process, I think, for James McLean that for a long, long time, since he moved to England, and because of the situation with the uh, with the not wearing a poppy, that's always something that's reared its head at, at, around that time of year. But it's been non-stop. You know, sectarian abuse, and Neil Lennon's been through it himself, coming from Northern Ireland, um, you know, being a nationalist coming from Northern Ireland, that doesn't just allow people to suddenly just keep abusing non-stop I'm, I mean I, I didn't see it but I think his wife spoke about it last night I think she was very open and very honest about it that it's continual you know mm. and some of the things Neil spoke about today is looking over your shoulder continually not being and, and it's not just life. I mean I mean, as you say Neil Lennon knows all about it because it's not just abuse that's been directed at James McLean it's threats it's threats yeah. which you know being from Northern Ireland that you know of course there's historical abuse that happened over there and you know historical uh, scenarios which people don't want to talk about and we want to move away from all that kind of stuff but 
you know, the bigger concern is that people are hiding behind phones. People are hiding behind keyboards and typing in what they want. And, and, and there's no accountability whatsoever. So unless social media gets a grip of it, I'm afraid it's going to continue because people will always feel that they can never be caught, they can never be found out. You know, you have to put your real name in. You should have to be verified through your email address or your home address or something has to be verified for these people. Otherwise, they just continue to do it. And it's so wrong and it has to be stopped ASAP. But this has been going on for a long time. And I think Neil Lennon speaks about it himself, saying it's been going on for such a long time that he's fed up talking about it because no one, you know, it doesn't seem as if anyone wants to do anything about it. And he was full of passion uh, when he said this today. The pressure that football in its own right is starting to put on these social media platforms. It should have been done a long time ago. And these social media platforms display any accountability or look after the people who are on the end of this constant abuse, whether it be racial, whether it be sectarian, whether it be personal, whether it be social. It's a, a real poison in modern day society. It's more prevalent, you know, in football because it's so so much more public and out there. It's disgusting. Fed up of talking about it now because nothing gets done. It's about time these people were named, shamed, you know, dealt with by police or the courts because it's just totally unacceptable. It, it, it's almost as if it's all right to do it now. You know, it's almost as if your own personal thoughts can be put out on a public platform. Maybe you've had a few drinks, you don't mean it, but it's out there and you have no regard for the recipient, you know, and I'm seeing it a lot in English football now. It's just, it, it's got to come to a head. And it's maybe something you want to have your say on uh, about on the show as well uh, over the next couple of hours. 0808 17 17 700 is the phone number. You know it well. Text go on your message to 874 74 on the socials. It's at Go Football Show. Uh, Marv, have you suffered um, at the hands of uh, social media abuse? Yeah, um, you know, I've dealt with racial abuse twice uh, through social media and like Neil Lennon's saying there, it's, it's it's disturbing, you know, the fact that people can can kind of get away with it, um, hiding behind their keyboards and hiding behind fake profiles and, and whatever else, and they don't they don't care about the effect it has on on the player or the person that they're sending it to, um, and there has to be some form of accountability, you know. As he said, it's ridiculous. It's gone on far far too long, um, you know. You can verify other things, um, so why can't we do it through social media? And, and if I'm honest and I'm being blunt about it, I don't think the social media companies actually care about it. I think as long as people are talking about their platform, that, that's all they really care about because more people are clicking on it, more people are pressing on the links and it's, it's all clickbait for them. Um, but for, for the rest of the people and the people who are being abused, it's, it's your life. You know, the, the stuff about James and I read it, uh, his, what his wife put out yesterday. You know, imagine going to bed and not knowing if somebody's really going to come around and carry that threat out and setting your house on fire with your, your children and your family and... Uh, you know, I, I can't even begin to think how he felt and, and probably didn't even sleep. And that's not fair, you know, just because he, he has a different view to somebody else, you know. So what? We have to be accepting of this. You know, people have different views and it's heartbreaking, honestly. Reading that yesterday, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, um, you know, how one human being can treat another one like that just because they have a different view on things. And as I said, you know, something definitely needs to be done. But do social media companies want to do anything about it? The answer is no. Yeah, Neil Lennon calling for accountability there, Crags. But uh, is it a sen- in a sense, is it dream on? Yeah, I think it is. You know, Marvin said it there. But, you know, he, I think Neil spoke about naming and shaming people. Until that happens, until people are hung out to dry. Because and very often you don't know their names exactly. to shame them. <laughs> but if, you know, if you're brave enough to put a text out or put a, a comment out, then you've got to you'll be brave enough to suffer the consequences if someone comes chapping your door. And until that happens, then people will continue to do it. I mean, whether, you know, Neil said it, whether people have a couple of drinks or whether they think they're being brave, but people send a message and turn the phone off and forget all about it. 
it's the recipient that has to deal with it and has to continue it on. And suddenly people start clicking more and people want to comment on it and they think it's funny and they're having a laugh. It's absolutely not. Until it comes to their door and someone's abusing them or someone wants to come and chap them up and name them in shame and put them in the you know in the press and the paper, that's in there when it starts to head home. But for people these days, it seems to be make a comment, turn your phone off and forget about it and don't have to think about it again. But the people who receive it are the ones that have to deal with it and have to look over their shoulder and have to be careful of their families and have to be careful of their kids. And I think football is a high-profile position, no doubt about it. But it doesn't mean to say that it's right that you can go and abuse people. There's plenty of people, uh, plenty of things in life I don't agree with, but I don't go tweeting about it and texting about it every single day of the week. It doesn't affect me that much. So, you know, people sometimes have to grow up and have a real reality check of their own life of what they're doing and why they're doing it. You know, what do they get out of it? I've absolutely no idea what they get out of it. I think it's funny, you know, talking to their mates. It's not at all. It's absolutely ridiculous. And as Neil Lennon says, Marv, until the action gets tougher in response to it from police and the courts, then... uh, you know, it, it, it's going to take something like that, isn't it, to, to, to make a difference? Yeah, it definitely is going to. But before the police and the courts can get involved, the social media companies need to do something about it. You know, because, if, for instance, if a player gets abused, they can give it to the police, but they can't find out who's behind the account. You know, it could be a fake account. You know, like Stephen said there, I could create an account right now, abuse somebody and delete the account, and nobody would ever know it's from me. You know, so until it has to be as a verification, whether, you know, it's your parents have to put their bank details in there, they have to put, you know, a passport number, they have to put a driving license number, until something like that, until there's an accountability and a comeback for the things people are saying, then it's going to carry on. But I guarantee you one thing, as soon as something like that happens and then there is a comeback and we know exactly who it is, the abuse stops. Mm. And I believe it is something as simple as that to happen and and you'll see the abuse die down straight away because next minute you're going to lose your job over it. You know, you're going to be named and shamed. You're going to be have a criminal record and whatever else about it. It stops. But as I said, if social media companies want to do something about it, they can do it overnight. But do they want to? I don't think so. But it's amazing if there's a response, if a professional football player had a response and was a little bit derogatory back or tried to, you know, fight their corner they'd be in the paper they'd be hung out to dry they'd be like ridiculous you can't be doing this but little do people know what the whole story in the background is behind it so um, I think footballers are sensible enough not to get involved in it the majority of them anyway but you know it, it still doesn't make it acceptable Lots to talk about. How do you fancy joining the football conversation on the Go Radio Football Show? We love having you on board and you can get in touch in the usual ways. It's at Go Football Show on the socials. It's 87474 by text and the phone number is 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. It's Rob McLean here on the Go Radio Football Show for a Tuesday with OPC Energy Limited. Thanks to Chris from eventually on the travel. Um, we're still recovering, Craig, aren't we, from what was it? Low gear, high revs yeah, is uh, his winter to be advice fair, of last week. It was the week. best line I've ever heard Chris say. It was last week, <laughs> wasn't it, when the snow was heavy, so he was spot on. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, plenty to talk about tonight. We're going to hear from Neil Lennon at a media conference today. The Rangers media conference will be tomorrow night, I think, um, ahead of their European tie in Belgium uh, against Antwerp. That's Thursday at 8 o'clock. Got some breaking news at this point to tell you that Hibs have uh, confirmed today that a player is socially isolating after contracting coronavirus. The player who is showing no symptoms uh, tested positive after he came into contact with the virus at home over the weekend. He's not been inside the stadium or the training centre since contracting the virus, say Hibs, and uh, will be isolated 
for the next 10 days. Those are the sort of announcements we have to just get used to over the last few months. Uh, it's not just about injuries these days for clubs. Uh, team news uh, influenced by outbreaks of coronavirus and isolating and all the rest of it. Matches tomorrow night going ahead in Paisley between St Mirren and Hamilton. It's a six o'clock start and uh, Celtic play Aberdeen. Aberdeen looking to end a run of one win in nine, but it's going to be tough against a Celtic team who have won their last four. And also in the championship uh, tomorrow night, Inverness against Queen of the South, that is half past six, and Thursday at eight in Belgium for Royal Antwerp and Rangers. Uh, We touched right at the top of the show about a couple of uh, appeals ongoing against red cards from the weekend. We seem to spend a whole lot of our time at the moment uh, discussing disciplinary matters and the the general chaos uh, around Scottish football Marv but uh, yeah Jack Fitzwater for you guys got uh, a red at the weekend uh, was it Nick Walsh I think Nick yeah, Walsh was the correct. referee was it was it deemed to be a, a last man challenge yeah well you know I instantly said to the referee because if I'm honest with you it's the, probably the most shocked I've seen to to see a red card in, in my whole football career. Um, I wasn't even expecting a book and if you, if you watch the footage, we were all walking away, getting ready to set up for the you know the free kick against and then the red card suddenly brandished and said to the referee, that, that's no chance it's a red card and he said, you know, he's denying a, a clear goal scoring opportunity. Um, but, but for me, you know, there's, there's two, possibly three players that could have come around on the cover. You know, the player has to jump over, you know, Fitzwater even if he doesn't raise his leg, um, which means he's, he's starting from a standing start, um, and, and our players are on the move. So Nicky Devlin was getting back, wasn't he? Yeah, and Sonorano is also coming across as well. He's actually in the D, and you know, the, the angle that the you know their players attacking at is, is no chance of getting a free shot at goal. And I think the referee probably could have given himself a few more seconds um, in order to to evaluate the situation. But as I said, they do a very difficult job, so I understand it. But hopefully, the right thing's now done, and, and the red cards overturned. Oh, how diplomatic of you! They do a very good job. Um, After nailing him, he's trying to hit himself. He might be the referee for the cup final, so I thought about yeah, yeah. Yeah, I retract what that. A, what a recovery that was! <laughs> did you hear? Did you hear? A, did you sense a reverse yeah. gear of being engaged there? <laughs> Absolutely, all day long. I think if Nick Walsh is the referee in the cup final, Marvin could be booked in the tunnel before the game starts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He could be walking on thin ice as soon as the game kicks off. What but does you make of it, Craig? But it's interesting because. That, that's what the referee's trying to take into consideration. Players, as I played it before and I spoke to Stuart Dougal about it, uh, Stuart was on the show a while ago, just about um, you know what, what constitutes a clear goal-scoring opportunity. And referees seem to think, if you can get a shot on goal, you've got a chance of scoring. So that's why some take it to the letter of the law. But you have to take into consideration where the ball's bounce out. And that is the issue. There's so many things you have to take into consideration where players are, the position on the pitch, the bounce of the ball, what footer is the player. Because, you know, otherwise everyone gets a free shot at goal, you know, the minute you see goal. Do you also take into account who it is? I mean, there's a there's a difference, isn't there, between it being, say, I mean, I know it was Ian Harks that was going through, but if it was Mark Reynolds, for instance, or Lauren no, Shankland... I don't think they can. No. You know, they can't pick and choose what players. Because if a player can get a shot and goal, then they get a chance of scoring. So that's why Nick Walsh may have jumped to the situation. But you just wonder with all the, you know, the issues with regarding, uh, with regarding red cards and, and appeals going on, is it easier, was it easier just to give the red card? And if it's wrong, then it can be rescinded and get on with his job. Because I think all the referees have to do is take one box to say why they sent the player off. There could be a, a list of 10 things and they only have to take one for them to justify and say, well, that was the reason why I sent them off. 
and that can sometimes get them out of trouble. But ultimately, the player who gets sent off and the team who are down to 10 men have to suffer, which which is wrong as well. It does seem a bit shambolic at the moment. I know you're a big fan of Nick Walsh, but, <laughs> but, but um, are referees being affected? They're bound to be. It's human nature, isn't it? That, that So much is going on at the moment. We're all really confused about the rules, the interpretation of the rules, and the fact that some, you know, there was the Yeti one last week where um, penalty given, then he was cited for simulation, then it was back to square one again. Yeah, you know, as I said, they do they do do a difficult job, but you know, I can only talk about the one that's kind of happened in my match, and like, there's there's no chance. I, I think the referee has to think, right? Does he have a better opportunity of scoring than even a goalkeeper saving it? Because let's be honest, if he's if he's if he's on the line and he's running across towards the box and he's and he's brought down along the goal line, then you know it's not an obvious goal scoring opportunity. So I think I take a lot of things into account, and they have enough time. You know, once you're given a free kick, maybe give yourself you know 15 or 20 seconds and. I think if the referee does that, then he doesn't send him off. I don't see how we can justify it in thinking he's got a much better chance of scoring than you know the ball not going in the back of the net. And and from Fitzwater is clumsy, you know it is clumsy, and I and I get it. He stuck his leg up, but you know I think sometimes that regardless of what's going on, you have to deal with each situation on an individual basis. And and that one there, you know, it's not a red card. It really isn't. We're going to go on the lines with Anton in a sec, but I just want to mention the Peter Pollitt red card as well. Crags, was that uh, the right decision on that one? Uh, I don't think it's a red. You know, when was, you was can, there not a touch of the, well, the Kemar roof? When you consider how many tackles, how, how many players have got away with that type of tackle, and I know we always talk about judging every incident on its own, but uh, well, Kemar roof's one. You know, he, he's caught him just below the knee, hasn't he? You know, whereas mm. the Peter Pollock one, he, it's that one where Marvin, you, you have a bad touch and you go chasing, mm. and you lunge yourself trying to, you know cover up for what you've done wrong but I think when the when his foot lands that may be just below the knee in your, yeah, yeah, in, well, in your terms which, but for me it was just which, which the we ankle. get away with which we get away with right now I remember right. your tackling actually <laughs> and, and uh, you weren't really too fussy which part of the anatomy exactly. you, you collided with listen the ball was always irrelevant Rob <laughs> um, so when his foot lands it lands on top of his foot yet we watched Scott Brown against Kilmarnock St Johnston Kilmarnock Kilmarnock, I think, down there. Would he have similar tackle that landed on top of his foot, mm-hmm. front of his foot, and it wasn't a red card? So if that's a letter of loss and that's not a red card, then Peter Pollock can't be sent off for it. No, I think it's a yellow card. 0808 17 17 700 if you want to get in touch with us and uh, have a chat with us um, because that's what we're all about, really. Let's talk to Anton. Hi, Anton. Hi, how's it going? Good, thank you. How's yourself? I'm good. Um, what would you like to say? Well, the the thing on Neil Lennon saying that he's he's comfortable, um, yeah, four wins. But for me, some of the some of the games, the performances still have been great. You're lucky that like that Edward has maybe came through his bad spell. Rogic has stepped up a little bit, but all in all, I didn't. I, me personally, I've never thought the the performances have still been great. Sometimes it's watching through your fingers. <laughs> Well, let, let's, hear, let's hear, Anton, here's very briefly what he had to say today about his position. You're never secure in, in your role as a manager anyway, especially when you've been through you know, difficult times. But um, yeah, I'm quite comfortable with the way um, the position is at the minute. And um, until that changes, you know, I'll give my best every day. And what about that apparently ongoing review? You know what, I'm not taking any notice of it really. The only time I think about it is when you guys bring it up. So it's not affected my work or my thought processes at all. Is the review, uh, what's happening with it, is that something that occupies your mind at all, Anton? 
see, my my biggest problem is like obviously I remember Martin said he's 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 a great motivator. Everybody knows Lennon is, is he's always been that type of manager, motivates the players, that type of thing. But the thing I'm noticing is is the players, the, like the younger players, are they getting the coach that they need to develop? Because you've seen there's a handful of them all wanting to leave, and they're supposedly really good talents. Now, I'm not sure if that's to do with they're seeing the money that other players are getting at English clubs, German clubs, that type of thing. But for me, that's concerning, considering we've brought some, we've brought some through some great players, Tierney, obviously McGregor, Forrest. It seems to be that we're only bringing through these players as much. Welsh, obviously, he's he's been he's been great yeah. the, the past few games, but. I just think that there's there, there seems to be a, a a massive problem in the background somewhere, and for me, yeah, players have also got to stand up and take ownership of what's been going on. But managers and coaches as well, they decide what happens in a day to day basis. We're, we're on the training field, so would you would you be looking for big changes on and off the pitch? Yeah, I think me me personally, I think they need. Not just a man, a man like a man manager. They need somebody who's a good coach, like Rogers. Rogers came in, great coach. I think they need somebody like like Sir Eddie Howe to come in, who whose coaching is meant to be next level. So I think they need somebody like him. Plus, I also think they need to rebuild. I think they need to get some of the deadwood. There's a lot of deadwood in that team. Marvin Rogers Bartley, you're, Marvin Bartley's nodding here. <laughs> No, no. There is there's, there's massive there's massive there is there's so much dead wood in the squad that they need to start getting rid of it and maybe maybe be popular but sell Edward bringing the money for him the money that you've just made for Frimpong what you're going to make for Nitcham that type of thing put the loan players back because for me the only one that I would try and keep is probably Kenny <laughs> because he's an out he is an out and out defender and he's so, just in the door as well. Yeah, and that's it. And, and I think that that's the. I think they need. If me personally, if Celtic do the right thing, bring in the right coaching team, spend their money wisely on recruitment and who they're bringing in, I think Celtic could be an even stronger force than what they were before. But it all depends on who comes in and who does what. So yeah, Marv, Marvin, do you uh, anticipate big changes at Celtic on and off the pitch? Well, I, I thought they'd. They'd have been changed by now, so uh, I, I'm not sure anymore. Um, you know, as Neil Lennon said, there he's he's quite confident um, in his job and he's quite happy with the way things are going. Um, you, t- you spoke about coaching there, Anton. I think you know when you talk about coaches, I think Brendan Rodgers is, is up there with you know one of the best doing it at the, this moment in time. Um, so I think it was very difficult, like you said, when he left um, to try and find somebody of that same kind of level um, and you've hit the nail on the head in terms of Neil Lennon you know I've worked underneath him fantastic motivator but not a manager who greatly believes in tactics whereas you know I think Brendan was quite the opposite so I think that the, maybe some of the problems that Celtic are facing at the moment the, the players who played you know under Brendan and the boys who've been brought in after maybe they're just on two different wavelengths you know if you've gone from a manager who's all about where you should be when the ball's here, all about, you know, going to full fullback positions and all these other things. And then you've got another manager who's like, well, you know, you go out there, you work the problems out yourself. And basically he motivates you to, to be able to do that. I think at times, you know, you're seeing it's not as seamless as it had been before. And I think that could be, you know, part of the problem that, that, that Celtic do have. And, 
you know, you mentioned Eddie Howe as well, who's another guy who I've worked underneath, and, and if they could get him in, you know, for me, he's fantastic, and, and he would be the man that, you know, I would be going for if Celtic are going to make the change. But as, as I said, it doesn't look like it's going to happen now, um, you know, be, end of the season at best. But for me, Eddie Howe's, you know, absolutely fantastic and would be a great, great choice. You've seen uh, off a few managers in your time, haven't you? Yeah, um, if they annoy me, I normally, you know, <laughs> don't play for them and then they get sacked. And I listen, Eddie, Eddie went on to, you know, bit, kind of bigger and better things. You know, he was fantastic. And, and obviously Neil Lennon left Hibs to go and he went back to Celtic. So... No, I have worked under some good managers, but for me, coaching-wise, Eddie Howe was was the best by by a country mile. But you know, Peter Lawwell's on his way out in the summer, so he's not going to make a decision now. You know, it'd be up to the the, the new person coming in. Celtic, there's are so still... many. Most managers coach nowadays. Most managers I've spoke to, him and, and through Stephen Robinson, a friend of mine who continued on, that they work in the training pitch. They're out there. They're organising shape. They're organising tactics. They're out to stop the opposition playing. Everybody gets information. So you can't be a manager if. if if Marvin's speaking about Neil, you can't be a manager who doesn't coach your players. You can't just leave it and hope the players can work it out for themselves. Players need information and if players are used to getting information, because opposition players are getting it, so you have to have a shape that your players work to. There has to be recovery positions players fall back into. If you're out of position, there has to be patterns at the top end of the pitch. It can't just be left to individuals and say, well, go on, you know, make something happen. Otherwise, they're not in the same wavelength. So that's the one thing everyone wants to coach nowadays. There's so many tools available. Everyone speaks about it. You can see it on social media. Of all the, the tools that people put up and, and sessions that people want to put up. So everybody has access to it. So everyone's doing it. So I don't think you can just rely now on players being good enough. Celtic should be good enough to win games. But, you know, they're looking across the city at, at, at Rangers and how well they're coached. And that's all people talk about with Michael Beale coming in and, the, you know, they're set up. You'll see them on Thursday night in Europe. Their defensive structure will fall into, you know, patterns of play when they win the ball, how they break forward, how they recover back in. So you can't get away with that anymore. But when Neil played under the likes of Martin O'Neill, that's what they done. Very seldom were they coached because they always had better players. They always had Henrik Larsons and Chris Suttons and, and, and guys still in Petros who could break lines and could beat you and were good enough to do that. And I just think nowadays you have to be a manager on the pitch that goes and coaches and players expect it. But Neil was successful, wasn't he, from doing you know his way before. So yeah. I, I think that's probably, you know, talk about football and, and evolution of football and, and evolving. Maybe, like you're saying, you could get away with that then, but you kind yeah. of can't now. And that might might be where they're kind of being caught short. And, you know, I know Neil's a winner, so whether it's something that he looks to do and, and change next season if he's, if he's still in the job, but I definitely agree. You know, the way football's gone, there's so much available to teams now that, you know, coaching is key. Um, so, but don't yeah. you leave yourself exposed? As a manager, if you haven't told the player what you're looking for, the player has every right to come and say, well, you, know, you haven't told me. Yeah, you but didn't tell me. But you should know. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. But yeah. I don't. So, and I'm not just talking about needle in. I'm, I'm mm. talking about mm. coaches in general. Yeah. Players are quite happy to come back and say, well, you didn't tell me to do that. You know, We haven't worked on that. So you leave yourself open a little bit for players to come and pose that question to you. I remember listening to, to Stephen Gerrard just a few weeks ago. Clarity was a word he used. He also spoke about the interdepartmental situation at Rangers and that everyone knew what everyone else was doing and that was one of the big changes he'd seen in his time mm. with the club Anton and, I, and I'm sort of relating this to, to Celtic because um, it, it just seemed like everything was being brought together under one umbrella at Rangers and the feeling you get at the moment and I think from what you're saying the feeling you get is that that is not the case at Celtic Um. Rangers, so Stephen Gerrard's brought, he's brought structure to Rangers because there was none when he first came in. Uh, they brought in managers, Pedro, who you'd never heard of. Then they brought Warburton in, who done okay. And then it was uh, 
Marty, and they just obviously Gerard's obviously brought in. He's he's had money to spend. He's recruited. He's recruited well in some areas, but it's took him three years. Would there been much more managers that would have got the time he got, letting Celtic win everything domestically? I'm not too sure. Maybe it's just because who Gerard yeah. was, and, and it's turned. But and it's turned out. It's it's worked out, hasn't it? Being patient with him has actually has worked out, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it has. It's worked this season. But that's one thing I'll be interested to see if Celtic sort sort the issues out, make the right choices, and bring in somebody who can coach the who who is a good coach um, and can recruit well. We'll see if it's a one if it's a one season wonder. Yeah, but Anton, you're saying it took Steven Gerrard two and a half years or what two seasons to get what he wanted. Yet you're expecting Celtic to bring a manager in in the summer uh, or even before the summer if it's not Neil Lennon. Invest all the money in the players, get the structure right, get the players right, and come the twentieth or twenty first of July when the Champions League qualifiers kick off, you're going to have to hit the ground running. That's a bit of a tight squeeze, isn't it? I'm 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 not I'm not expecting anything. I'm I've I've played I've I've played at a, a neighbour level and I've coached and stuff like that. So I know how hard it is to try and get all that in place, get it to structure, get it to gel. But when you're watching games just now, and let's be honest, we felt like they've still got a good squad, regardless of yeah. they're being dead within there. They still have got a good squad. So if they recruited four or five players who are tried and tested and ready to come in there, then. It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't take as long as what it would for Gerard. Gerard basically had to come in and strip it back. Come in and strip it back. So I think I'm not expecting wonders, but I do think with the squad we've got, who have been there over the course and won everything there is to win in Scotland, then pff, I don't see it being. I don't see it being the hardest thing. The massive thing, though, you're right, Champions League. Anton, good to hear from you. Uh, Anton wants rid of the deadwood at Celtic. Uh, you can join the show as well on the number you know so well. 0808 17 17 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. And it's Rob McLean, Marvin Bartley and Stephen Cragen on the Go Radio Football Show for a Tuesday with uh, lots to come this week uh, with OPC Energy Limited as well. Uh, St Mirren against Hamilton uh, tomorrow and Celtic Aberdeen. They both kick off at six and in the Championship Inverness and Queen of the South at half past. Looking ahead as well, of course, to the return of European football. A couple of big games in the Champions League tonight. I think we're fancying the sound of uh, Barcelona against PSG. PSG and Liverpool are in Leipzig and of course Rangers play in the Europa on Thursday 8 o'clock against Royal Antwerp uh, they need to lift their performance we spoke about that earlier Crags if they do there's a chance they can go pretty deep into that tournament absolutely you know particularly after the the group they had and the way they came through the group with flying colours I think they grew as went on. They've scored in every European game. They've played in away from home this season. So that will give them hope going to um, Royal Antwerp and thinking, you know, we can go there and do a job. But ultimately, you know, it's going to be on the night of how they play, what they do. Uh, I, I said it earlier, I, I think the concern is what's the front three going to be? Because Morelos hasn't played. Roof's been in and out. He's been suspended a little bit. Kent, I think one goal in his last 16, 17 games. Uh, Cedric Gittin's only get five for the season. Does Janis Hadji play? Hasn't always played in the big European game. So I think there's a lot of choices for Steven Gerrard to make. 
But ultimately, if Rangers can get it right, if they can hit the ground running, um, you know, turn up their A game on Thursday night, they've absolutely no doubt they can beat Royal Antwerp. But they still have to turn up and do it because Antwerp are doing well. They're second in the league. Mm. Uh, I, I said earlier, I saw them in a couple of games. They drew with Standard Liège at the weekend away from home. Should have beat them, but the chances they had, they've got five or six players missing, so that could play into the hands of Rangers. But you know, if Rangers turn up and, and, and produce their best, then they'll no doubt come back with a positive result, keep the second leg alive, and I imagine we'll go through overall. As you say, they're not scoring a lot of goals at the moment, Rangers, but they're not having to score a lot of goals because the clean sheets uh, keep on coming. And it might just have been one goal against Kilmarnock at the weekend, but what a cracker it was. Any midfielder will be happy with a strike like that. I think the touch complemented the strike. Yeah, I think it's going to go right up inside. The top three of our goals of the season without a shadow of doubt. I think he might just lose out to Kamar's wonder strike in Europe, but that's what I want Jacko to keep trying to add to his game. He's capable, he's got the technique to shoot from distance. We've been encouraging all the midfielders to take shots on. You know, we've scored a few from outside the box this year, but nowhere near enough. So yeah, fantastic strike. Deserves to win any game of football, and it's great to have him back. He's got a bit of a, a, a kick on his calf today, but um, I'm sure he'll be fine and pull through. I just thought Marvin Bartley when I saw that right through volley <laughs> crashing in on Saturday for Rangers. <laughs> My first touch would have been giving it back to the other team, so no, there's no chance I'd have it been doing It was brilliant, that. wasn't it? Oh, fantastic. You know, honestly, like, like Stephen Gerrard said there, the first touch was unbelievable and the second touch, the strike, was, was phenomenal. Um, but what a player. He's improved so much, you know, so much over the last couple of years. I know he's had his injury problems and, and whatever else but he's just going on to, to another level now and, and that goal there was as I said is absolutely brilliant and, and it was great to see um, you know great to see a goal like that They struggled uh, against Hamilton uh, with both Jack and Davis on the bench and of course they've been missing Scott Arfield um, I wonder if he comes into the reckoning potentially for this game on Thursday because uh, yeah, I mean he's been terrific for Rangers all round when he's played this season uh, but he definitely gives them that extra dimension in the European games doesn't he? He does but suppose the risk is he's been it for such a long time that suddenly come into what is now their biggest game of the season. Listen, Rangers are going to win the title. I know Barry Ferguson on here, every night he's on, doesn't want to concede that, but they are going to win the title, whether he believes it or not. Um, so the biggest game of the season then is the Europa League away game, starting at Royal Antwerp. So do you put someone in who's missed a, what, six, seven weeks? Who's not fully fit? Who could maybe pull an injury somewhere else and you miss him for longer again? So, you know, Stephen Gerrard talks continually about trusting his players trusting his players on the pitch and he always comes back to Ryan Jack and Stephen Davis and Scott Arfield James Tavernier Connor Goldson Bernard Barisic the guys who have been the cornerstone of the success this season and ultimately you said against Hamilton you know he's, he's tried to rotate I think rotating earlier in the season they were getting success and yeah. they were free flowing rotating recently hasn't brought the same you know productivity as what it has previously so there's no doubt he will go over the strongest squad Scott Arfield may have to deal with the place on the bench I would imagine it would be Ryan Jack Glenn Kamara and Stephen Davis just to give them control of that midfield because the way um, Royal Antwerp play they play with a 3-4-3 three, three, three. so if Rangers can dominate that midfield area and use that third man as a possession based midfield then they can dictate the ball dictate the tempo and then they can pick off Royal Antwerp just in behind their midfield four. So I would imagine he'll go with three ball players in there just to try and get a hold of the game early on. So Jack, Davis, Kamara, and who's your front three? Well, I don't know, because it depends the shape that Alfredo Morales is in, but there's no doubt 
if he plays, Rangers are a better team. Yeah. You know, irrespective at times his goals dry I think up. most people would expect him to start, yeah. You would, but just being out for three games. Yeah. You know, physically I'd like to hope that Rangers have worked him hard and Stephen Gerrard and the coaching staff have been on him to work hard. Ryan Kent always seems to play. He's always the one. So there's one position up for grabs. Is it Kamar Roof? Is it Joe Rebo? Is it Yanis Hadji? Yeah. It's a nice choice to have, Again, isn't it? Well, it is. Of course it is. So, you know, that's that's the job of Stephen Gerrard. And I would imagine Balogun will play at centre-half alongside Conor Golson and Barisic and Tavernier will play. So I think there's only one place up for grabs, which is that, you know, that front three player on the right-hand side. Here's Steven Gerrard on the return for Rangers of European football. It's a real exciting time for, for everyone connected to the club because um, we've got the chance to go into the last 16 of Europe again. This is where the players, these are where they want to test themselves. It's a real good tie for us over the two legs. It'll be tough. And we're ready. We welcome back Kamar and Alfredo into the group. Got options to pick from. It'll be a nice break away from the league and we'll go there and give it everything we've got and try and set it up for the second leg. I mean, the Rangers fans, a lot of them, Marv, would say, you can keep Europe, we're not bothered about Europe, we'll, just, we'll happily have title number 55. That, that's what it's all about. But there's no reason why, why Rangers can't be doing both. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty comfortable run into the title in terms of how many points they need and how many games they have still to go. Can they be doing Europe and the title conclusion? Oh, of course they can, you know, and, and that's what Steven Gerrard's in football for. And, and if you're playing for a big club like Rangers Football Club, it's not just about you no know, stuff going on domestically. You you want to go far in Europe, you know? Can you can you get to you know a semi final, a final, or, or even go on to win it? You know, that 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 has to be the aim. You know, I think far too often, you know, Scottish football's sold short and saying, oh, they do well to make it out the group stage, they do well. And, and you see, you know, coming up against English teams sometimes, they go further than the English teams do. But English teams, every year they enter it, they expect to, you know, go to a final, go on to win it. So, you know, why can't Rangers? And I think that has to be the mindset. And I think that's the shift that Steven Gerrard would have, you know, put into that squad now. You know, yeah, we are good enough to go and compete in Europe. Yes, we are going to win the league and, and that's what I expect of you. But what can we do in Europe? You know, how far can we go in Europe? Because they've got a good enough squad to do it. So, you know, I don't, I don't see why they can't, you know, look at this game, get through this stage and, and then keep on building on that. And that's where a club reputation really yeah. grows, isn't it? It's, it's not about winning title after title in your own country where there are only two realistic winners. It's, it's about growing as a team around European football and, and, yeah. and there's a big financial uh, incentive as well, isn't there? I think as a player, that's where you want to be judged. You know, that's where you'll enhance your own reputation and that's where Steven Gerrard has enhanced his own reputation as a manager because people have looked at some of the, the results and performances. You know, this season going to Willem Twain scoring four, going to Benfica and scoring three, going to Standard Liège and winning two, now going to Lech Poznan and winning. You know, that's when people think, right, Rangers are a proper European team and that's where, you know, Michael Beale alluded to last season where it suits them a little bit more and Marv touched on it because they can sit in and be compact. They don't always have to be the team chasing the game and trying to unlock the door. They can sit back, absorb a little bit of pressure and play in the counter-attack. So I think it'll bring a freshness to them, a different approach. They might not have the ball all the time, so there'll be different things expected of them, but then they can go and express themselves. And, and getting through that last 16, the players will remember going to Braga. I, th- I think you covered the game. Yeah. And, and winning in Braga, and that emotion, that raw emotion of thinking, that was terrific. I think the players would want that again. It's a big night for Rangers on Thursday, 8 o'clock, Royal Antwerp. Uh, again, Stephen Gerrard's team are looking for a place in the last 16 of the Europa League. News at 6 on the way, plus another hour of football chat.
Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pump servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Show. It's good to have you with us on the Go Radio Football Show 0808 17 17 700 874 74 on the texts and it's at Go Football Show on the socials uh, Anton on earlier on looking to get rid of Deadwood as he called it at uh, Celtic on the day Neil Lennon's been having his say on his position on the Celtic finances on abuse on social media, on the possible sale of Odson Edouard. Uh, we'll get to that shortly about what he's had to say about his uh, prize asset, who was in fine form at the weekend as Celtic came from behind in Perth to beat St Johnston by two goals to one. They play again, of course, uh, tomorrow night. It is a six o'clock kickoff at Celtic Park. Celtic against struggling Aberdeen. Will it be five wins on the bounce for Neil Lennon? And his team, that would close the gap to 15 points at the top between themselves and Rangers. Callum McGregor's been talking about that today. We know it's going to be a tough task. You know, for us, we just have to focus on ourselves. Um, and that is, you know, training. Everybody turned up um, professional. We put we put the work in, keep trying to get better. And like I said, when the games come along, then we try and implement everything that we do in training with the right attitude. Obviously, the result is then a a product of all that hard work and you know we just have to keep taking it game by game you know there's always a, a, a glimmer of hope until it's mathematically impossible so you know we have to keep working and, and keep believing that you know you, you just never know in football Let's be honest Marvin Bartley it's not happening is it for Celtic there's no way back for them there is no uh, title race it is a countdown to celebrations for Rangers but it's been an impressive run from Celtic uh, four wins they've scored a fair few goals in the process as well and there was even quality in the way they came back after a horrible first 45 minutes you'd have to say against St Johnston Um, but there was some top draw stuff as as they came back to win 2-1 Yeah like Callum said there it's just about you know that them winning games now, you know that they they can't do anything about Rangers. They can't affect the Rangers games except from when they play them. So it's about them going on their own run now. And as, as he said there, you know, putting the hard work in, in training and trying to implement what they've learned in training into matches. Um, so for Celtic, the aim has to be, you know, can we now go into the summer with the maximum amount of points? That has to be their aim. They have to set themselves a target. And it's, can we win every game between now and the end of the season? Obviously. Within that, they're going to play Rangers twice, so that they're two huge games. But that's all they can do. You know, they can't afford to sit there and think, "Oh, Rangers have won the title. Let's take our foot off the gas even more," because, you know, they don't want to be even more points behind Rangers. And as I said, they need to get something out of it this season now for themselves. And what they can get out of it is going on an unbeaten run. We spoke about the quality of that Ryan Jack volley for Rangers on Saturday. What about the quality of the two Celtic goals on Sunday? Odson Edouard and Ryan Christie uh, starring uh, Edwards Topok into the top corner for the equaliser and then the brilliant feat to control the cross and the dancing feet around the goalkeeper before firing in the second Celtic goal. Here's his gaffer. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, he's a brilliant player. Um, you know, I think 15 goals, you know, you can get a lot more. You know, at the end of 
you know, going into the lockdown, he had 27. And that was his best return in the season, and the season wasn't finished. So I think, and I'm hoping that there's a lot more to come from in terms of goals. What pleased me more about his performance on Sunday, particularly in the second half, was his all-round play. It was absolutely superb. You know, the way he manipulated the ball under pressure. You know, his physical attributes were there, his speed was there, and he scored two magnificent goals. The second goal is a brilliant team goal, which has been sort of overlooked a little bit by a lot of people. But from a, a team point of view, on a on an awful pitch, it was an outstanding goal. It's that moment where you're listening to him on the radio and you look up at the TV screen in the studio and Neil Lennon <laughs> is there as well. He is everywhere. But what about Odson Edouard? He, refer, he referred to 15 goals there. That must be league goals he's yep. talking about because it is 20 in total, Crags, for the season. Beginning to deliver the numbers that you would have expected him to have done over the piece. And I think many Celtic fans will say it's too little too yeah. late. Well, it's too little too late because the damage has been done in the league title race. I think his team needed him. They needed the goals earlier in the season, the bigger games and the old firm games and European games. He got Is he goals. a fair weather player? No, I, no, I, I just think he was off form. Just so many things weren't going for him. I, I don't think his body language was as good as what it is just now. You know, and, and naturally that happens with confidence. When you're not scoring goals, you're not feeling good about yourself, everything seems to come on top of you. You know, whether there was there was talk of him leaving before um, the end of the window in January, uh, sorry, in September, Maybe he got upset at that. I don't know. There was a promise was made. Nobody know, seems to know about it. But you know, I'm I'm not surprised at the quality that Odson Edwards shown because we know he has it. We've watched him often enough. He's been in Scotland long enough to see what kind of quality player it is. But the Celtic players aren't going to get any credit for beating Kilmarnock, Motherwell, St. Mirren, and St. Johnston because this season is going to be remembered for the season where they had a chance to create history and they didn't. Um, and you know Neil Lennon can be as optimistic as he wants and he can talk about saying his team are back to their best and they're great to watch and they're fluent and they're scoring goals all Celtic fans wanted this season was to win the title that's all they wanted and unfortunately you know the pats the back don't come when you're winning games you should be winning and that's what they've done recently they've they've turned on the, the they've turned up the heat a little bit but most Celtic supporters will look and think this should have been done a long time ago we should have been playing like this from from the get-go earlier in the season we would have had a chance of winning the title but the pressure's off and people say the pressure's not off because you're playing for Celtic well the pressure's off because you haven't got a chance of winning the title and the players have took that away from themselves and that'll be the disappointing factor that's something that'll live with those players for a long time and, and probably live with the manager the regret of not being able to put 10 in a row we're going to speak to Regan uh, shortly, but just on the subject of Hudson Edouard, uh, Neil Lennon spoke as well when he was asked uh, about the the sale of Edouard in the summer. Is it definitely happening? Most people are assuming that that will be the point at which at which Celtic cash in. Well, regardless of whether he goes or not, um, you know the club will look at all interest, all sort of actual bids for him, and, and make the best decision for the club. You know, I don't. I'm not sure his, his current form has any bearing on how much he'll go for because he's a top class player, as everybody knows. But it's great for us that he is in great form, and um, you know, I don't want to talk about him leaving. I'd rather he'd much rather stay here for the foreseeable future. There was a good old Barney on last night's uh, Go Radio Football Show involving Barry Ferguson, um, where there was a discussion about what level he could go to what level he could play at if it were to be England for instance that, that was that was his destination I mean Barry's convinced that he can play for a top six team in the English Premier League Marv would you agree? Yeah um, why not you know I think he's he's a player that will no disrespect to, to Scottish football and the standard but he'll raise his game you know the, the, the better the players around him the better the players he's playing against I think you'll see he probably does have an extra gear um, I think what we saw from him earlier on this season is it was definitely a frustrated figure um, maybe it was somebody who had their eye on a move that didn't come. 
But I think, you know, for me, when watching him the other day, not only was it, you know, the two goals, but his work rate in terms of chasing players back, I've not seen that for a long, long time from him. Um, so I think he's got the bit between his teeth again, knowing that he needs now to kick on for the rest of the season to really cement that 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 big move. But I, I do believe he can play in the top six. I mean, you look at the teams in the top six now, I think West Ham are in there, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. Um, so yeah, I, I imagine he could play for a top six, top eight team, most definitely. And as I said, he's still a young man who's still got you know, room for improvement. He will improve. And, and I think, you know, as I said, playing with better players week in, week out and against better players, we'll, we'll, you'll get the best out of him. Is that the biggest frustration for Celtic fans, Marv? Oh. That you're saying you see it on Sunday. Well, what about pre-Christmas when they were battling for a title and they were all out and their players weren't reaching the form they should have been? That'll be a frustration for them. Yeah, a, a huge frustration. But, you know, when I talk about, you know, Celtic Football Club... And I'm not saying that he, he 100% wanted to leave, but any player that's not happy to be at the football club, I wouldn't have there if I was the manager. Because you're a big enough club to go out there and attract players. Players are desperate to play for your football club. So why have somebody, if he wasn't happy, there? I, I don't get it. You know, you're not going to get the best out of a player if a player wants to leave the football club and you keep him. Not, I don't think that's ever happened in the history of football. So just let it be. Get the best amount of money you can for him and, and, and replace him. But as you said, you know, it will be a huge frustration because they would want, they, where's this work rate been? You know, where's this brilliance been from him? And he, he has got it, as he showed on uh, on Sunday. So they will be frustrated 100%. But I don't think it's just on him. If he you know, if he did want to leave the club and he was blocked from leaving the club, then I think, you know, that creates its own problems. That's a conversation as well. It goes back a long way in the season, doesn't it? We'll get to that maybe a, a little bit later in the show. But uh, that was post Ferencvaros, wasn't it? That was post crashing out of the of the Champions League qualifiers where, where Neil Lennon was touching on players who didn't want to be there so that's actually got a, a fairly long history in the course of how this season has all panned out let's talk to Regan hi Regan oh, hi how you doing Rob good I'm very well thank you how's yourself I'm doing good eh good so I just want to so, so, so I just want to ask uh, the, the panel about Celtic because Neil Lennon spoke today about bringing in players and the and the so, uh, uh, the transfer window. I, I just want to ask: Surely that's not a good thing for the players that Celtic are going to bring in, and also the players that they are going because Neil Williams is still going to be under review, review, and he's scouting players for next season. I, I, I just find that a bit strange at the moment. I, I don't know what Stephen and Marvin, think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really confused situation, isn't it? You know, you do wonder about the structure of the club prior to actually bringing in new players, Marv. Yeah, but until you're told that you will no longer be at the club, you have to plan for next season. You know, if Neil Lennon was sitting here and saying they're not looking at players for next season, they're not looking at revamping the squad, then, you know, he'll be... He can't be. He can't do anything right, can he? He'd be said, well, why is he not planning for next season if he is going to be here? Because at this moment in time, Neil Lennon's not been told that he won't be there. So I think he's doing the right thing in terms of scouting players and, and looking for new players and who, who he wants to you know, add to his squad. Until he's told differently, then he's still the manager of Celtic Football Club. And being a manager of Celtic Football Club, he knows there needs to be an improvement next season and the improvement's going to come by you know, a change of, change of players. Well, here's what he said today about spending. You know, we've not really spent any money in the... You know the January window. Um, you know brought John Joe in, and obviously we've sold El Hamed and and Fringpong. You know two players who you know made it clear that they wanted to go in Cham. You know he wanted to go as well. So, you know in terms of finances, you know that's not been dictated to me. It's more or less a question of, you know players were unhappy, um, and they made that clear for a while. And you know we thought it best from a footballing point of view that we move the players on. 
So he's basically saying not not much, not very much has happened no. really in the in the January transfer window in terms of outlay. The 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 big decisions are still to come. It's just that everybody seems to assume that Neil Lennon won't be there next year. And I think I've mentioned it in the programme. I just assumed that he wouldn't be there just because yeah. of the of the failures this season, of the disappointment this season, not just you know when winning the title, but you know the performance level, the the, the disappointment outside the stadium, going out of the Champions League. I think the recruitment drive wasn't good enough in the summer for what Celtic were looking for. So putting that all together, and then the statement comes out yesterday from the from Ian Bankier saying that uh, we won't be making any hasty decisions, which would make you think that Neil Lennon is maybe thinking to himself, "Well, I've got a chance of still being the manager here next year." So Marvin's right. You know, Neil has to has to act like he is going to be the manager next year. He has to try and make preparations. You know, whether he's had any assurances or not behind the scenes, we have no idea. There just seems to be so many Celtic fans that that uh, won't accept Neil being manager next year. They just think it's time for a change and time to move on. But ultimately, the club will have the final decision. Um, I don't think it will please a lot of supporters if Neil is to stay on. That seems to be the general feeling about it all. Season tickets we've spoken about again are coming up. You know, how are you going to put a positive spin on next season? That's the challenge for for Celtic, not even with Neil in charge, but how are they going to put a positive spin on? We're going to change things, we're going to invest. Because you'd imagine any investment that Celtic have, after looking at the financial figures yesterday, they will have to sell to get the to generate the money you'd think to spend in the summer and to spend big. Um, and I think it was Anton was on earlier saying four or five players. I think it could be more than that. I think yeah. you could be talking 10, 11, 12 players coming in, in the summer, which is a huge rebuild. It's not just a small, it's the biggest rebuild Celtic have had for many a year. Uh, and they have to get it right, and that and that would have to be supervised, Marvin. You would imagine by the new management structure, and and you know there there must be a question mark over uh, the recruitment department as well because that hasn't gone well for Celtic. That's played a big part in a disappointing ten in a row attempt. Yeah, it doesn't only fall on Neil Lennon. Um, you know the way football is nowadays. Is he really making the signings? And, and as you said, the recruitment department have a, a lot to answer for as well. Because they're they're obviously putting these players forward, and and they, and I'm not being disrespectful to them, they haven't been a, the level Celtic need. No. Um, so, you know, I think it, it was quite telling in January when they when they got rid of a couple of players and they didn't allow No Lennon to bring anyone in permanently. That made me think that maybe you know coming into the season he was going to go. They allowed him to you know, obviously bring John Joe in on on loan. Um, but yeah, going forward, I mean. You can't be signing players unless you know the new manager really wants them. Because what you don't want to happen is, you know, sign three or four boys on pre-contract, and the new manager comes in and says, "Well, they're not for me." Um, so it's a sticky situation, but it's one that I think Celtic need to sort out really soon. If they're going to stick with Neil Lennon, I think they need to come out publicly and say it, um, and allow him to go about his business. If if Neil Lennon's going to leave at the end of the season, and that's what they've decided, then I think they also need to come out and say that. So everybody kind of knows where they're at. Um, because at this moment in time, what they don't want to be is, is caught short, and then going into next season, they're scrambling for players because, you know, they don't want to repeat of of, of kind of the points t- uh, tally they look like they're going to get this season. Regan, how do you feel about Neil Lennon in the job at the moment? Uh, I feel Neil Lennon's doing a good a good job at the moment, but I just think, I think Rangers will beat Celtic tw- twice, which will put the gap between Celtic and Rangers to twenty plus points, and I don't think any Celtic manager should be able to survive. Celtic being behind Rangers twenty plus points. Yeah, yeah well, I wasn't sure. Um, he, I wasn't yeah. sure he was going to survive after the the Saint Mirren game. To be honest, mm-hmm. when he when he said the players had let him down, that sounded like the utterances yeah. um, of a manager on the way out. Here's what Callum McGregor said today about uh, Neil Lennon continuing in the manager's hot seat. I think obviously that's a, a decision for the club and and obviously the people above us. So they they'll take that decision. But you know what I will say is everyone is fully behind the manager. He's had a great record. 
um, at this club. He's delivered so much success, firstly as a player, and then obviously as a manager as well. So, you know, his, his credentials speak for himself. And, and like I say, we've had very successful times. You know, obviously we've managed to do two trebles under his, under his wing as well, which everybody always remembers that as well. So from my side um, and the players' side, then obviously we are, we are all behind him and, and we've had some good times together as well. A job in the diplomatic corps awaits yeah, Callum McGregor. I, yeah, I didn't expect Callum McGregor to come out and say that it's time for a change. We need a new manager in the summer. We need an overhaul. Players have to leave. Um, I think if I was a Celtic fan, my biggest concern would be if there is going to be an overhaul, that Callum McGregor could look and think, I need to move on. Yeah. Is he 27 years of age? You know, he doesn't want to hang about for two or three years and have another rebuild that he's 30 31 when he may have an opportunity of going. I mean, we're talking about Odds and Edward going to a top six club in England. I think Callum McGregor could easily slide into a top six club in England. Yeah. You know, when you look at the likes of Leicester up in there, who well, Brendan Rodgers knows yeah, exactly. him very well, yeah. that's always the one that's yeah. been linked. So I would be slightly concerned that you're not only, uh, you know, selling players on for the for the bring in funds, but you could be selling someone like Callum McGregor who might think, my time's up. I've done enough at this football club. I've won an incredible amount of trophies. It isn't going to be repeated. So maybe I have to move on. I mean, I'm not saying that's Callum's thoughts, but you can imagine he'll be catching the eye of a lot of clubs, particularly with Euro 2020 coming up in the summer. Then if he excels in that, suddenly his reputation goes on even more. So, um, But listen, you're right. He has to play the safety card, Callum yeah. McGregor, as a player. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine he's going to tell the club what they should do in the managerial situation. That's up to the club. It's hard to imagine Celtic without Callum McGregor in that midfield, Marv. But but maybe it's best for both. Maybe they they've had the best of each other, and it's time to time to move on. Yeah, as you said, it'd be very difficult to to imagine him in there. Um, probably the same sort of season where Scott Brown um, looks like he could be, you know, kind of not going to be as important next season so it's it's a difficult one but like you said the club has to do what's best for them you know if Callum McGregor's you know one of their assets that they think they can sell and and it will help with their rebuild then you know then then you have to sell him um I don't imagine Callum coming out and saying he wants to leave I think he'll leave that totally up to the club um and and he'll do what's best for them but I agree you know I've I've heard a lot of rumors about Leicester being interested in him and for me, I think he could go down there and, and, and be a really, really good player. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. You know, I've always spoken really highly about him. Um, and, and I do believe he can go down and make an impact in the English Premier League. I think he'll see John McGinn doing it. Um, and, and he'll believe in himself that he can do it. And he probably wants a taste of that as well. Because, you know, with that could come, you know, Champions League if you're, if you're at Leicester, the way they're going at the moment. Thanks to Regan. Great call. As usual, it's Glasgow Zone. Go Radio. The Bull Radio Football Show. That was a good call from uh, Regan. We had Anton on the line earlier on as well. A couple of very disenchanted Celtic fans. Uh, they're looking just for a message from the club, really, about what is happening. Where are they going? This uh, review goes on and on. Neil Lennon says he's comfortable in his position, comfortable in the job. Uh, and I guess at the moment, uh, the Celtic fans are comfortable with the results and the performances. But as we've said uh, more than once on this show, it's all too little too late as Rangers count down towards the title. It's Celtic against Aberdeen tomorrow night. The gap at the top could be trimmed to 15 with a Celtic win and uh, the odds will be heavily on that outcome, you would imagine, with Aberdeen having won only one of their last nine and not scored in the last five. Uh, in the Championship, Inverness against Queen of the South. The other Premiership game is St Mirren against Hamilton Ackies and it's the first match um, as manager under his new contract uh, healthy pay rise you would have imagined for Jim Goodwin I think it's important you know for 
the overall stability of the club because of the, the huge turnover of managers that there's been in, in recent times at St. Mirren. I think it's important that, you know, as a club, we don't continue in that vein. So I'm very grateful to Tony uh, and to the board for being um, as straightforward as what it was and, you know, not making life difficult. I think we've agreed on a deal that's fair for both parties. I'm just delighted that both myself and Lee Sharp will be here for at least the next three years. And I would imagine, uh, Crags, there will be some envious eyes being cast in the direction of uh, Jim Goodwin um, because of the job he's done, because of the, the way he's performed in the transfer market this season. Yeah, but I think signing a contract won't take those eyes off him. No. That's for sure. You know, if if he continues his progress, if the team continues to grow the way they have under Jim, and I think, you know, it, it's been good to watch how he's manipulated the team, how he's brought the signings in, how he's mixed the you know the youthfulness with the experience of Richard Tate and Joe Shoggins and Marcus Fraser, just to make sure this is nice and solid at the back, along with the likes of Jamie McGrath and and uh, and Dylan Connolly, Eamon Brophy. He's been brave. You know, he's went out and signed players. And you think when Jim took over in, I think, June 19, he, um, it was quite late in the window. You know, a lot of players had moved and I think taking over late in June, he missed a lot of people he would like to have bring in. So he had to bide his time. He had to get through last season, make sure that they stayed in the league. They did. And this season, he's been, you know, managed to progress it forward. So Jim will just hope it's the start of, uh, so I'm saying sustained success, but sustained pressure on that top six and trying to every season get in there. And that's how you build, first of all, your club and your, and your squad, but you also build your own reputation of being someone who can bring consistency and sustainability about the club. So that's exactly what he's looking for. And I think we have to say that you know the balance has been better this season. Last season, they were good defensively, couldn't score enough goals, but he seems to have got the balance right this year and they're getting the right results. I'm sure Marv uh, Stephen Gerrard is going to be a shoo-in uh, for most people's manager of the season uh, in Scotland. But your man, Davy Martindale, has a has a good shout, hasn't he, on, on what he's done on a, on a minimal budget. And the, and the same would apply to, to Jim Goodwin. I mean, we kind of scoffed at Tony Fitzpatrick early season when he was talking about a top six finish. Uh, we're not laughing now. <laughs> no, uh, Jim's been fantastic for them. Um, and like Stephen touched on there, you know, he's got some fantastic young players as well. So I think Jim will be so excited about the future. You know, he signed a new contract and he'll get to see these players develop. And, you know, St. Mirren, they do sell their, their best young players. It is what they do. But he's continuing to bring other uh, young players through. You know, they, they've, they've got Brophy from, from Kilmarnock as well, who will be fantastic for them when he, you know, finally gets himself up to speed and whatever else. And it looks like being next season now. But, you know... He's been brilliant for them, like you said, and I think they're punching above their weight, kind of like we are at Livingston, and, and he's looking at the top six now thinking we can actually get into that, and they said Tony Fitzpatrick said at the start of the season they can do it, and I think a lot of people, like you said, laughed, but you know Jim's showing that they can do it, and I think that's why he deserves his new contract, and you know if he, if he continues to go in the way he's going, I think there'll be bigger clubs that will definitely be looking at him. And he was talking uh, yesterday about those 16, 17 hour days that he had uh, previously when he was uh, driving a van, delivering chocolate, delivering passports, uh, delivering anything, a courier business he had going on. And I think he was working alongside Lee Sharp, mm. who who's his assistant uh, now at St Mirren. So it's all tasting pretty sweet for those yeah. two, I guess, at the moment. Well, it makes it, you know, they're probably more appreciative of the opportunity that they have. You know, they enjoy working. And, you know, he said it's the dream to be a football manager or be a player, being involved in the game. He said he was out of it for a while and he doesn't want to go back out of it. He wants to make sure that he keeps driving forward, that he you know, keeps himself in a job somewhere along the line. Well, he's certainly going you know, the right way about it, the way his team are going. Uh, and, and sometimes you need to take a little step back to realise what you have to do to move forward. Uh, you know, and he's he, he done a good job at Alloway, which has been a good grounding for the likes of Jack Ross as well and Danny yeah. Lennon managed it as well. So there's a few managers, Peter Grant's doing very well also. So um, you know, there's no doubt that St Mern have got a good man in charge. You know, Jim as a player was always very dedicated, always very professional. Everything was down to a T. He was physically in good condition. He looked after himself. 
you know, he's hardly changed a bit. And you look at his team and they're very well organised. They almost epitomise their manager of how they're set up, how they're structured, how they're well drilled. That's exactly how Jim was as a player. And he's put it into his players also. And he's probably got the best maintained beard in Scottish football now <laughs> after, after Stuart Kettlewell was sacked by Ross Canty. It was probably a close run thing between those two. But uh, no, Jim doing a, a great job. But, but he won't need told Marv that, that this is a toughie for them tomorrow night because they're playing a team that won the Lanarkshire Derby 4-1 at the weekend at Fir Park. Um, and Stephen Gerrard was the first to admit in the previous game that Hamilton probably should have won that one as well. Yeah, um, you know, he'll, he'll definitely know it's going to be a tough, tough game. But I think he'll be looking at his own team, you know, because I think, no disrespect to Hamilton, if both teams perform to their capabilities and St Mirren win it. And I think, you know, going into that game, that will be kind of the mindset that Jim will say, listen, we'll be respectful of them. You know, that, like you said, they won their last game 4-1 away at Motherwell, which is a fantastic result. But if we go out there and play the way that we know we can, we, we do win this game. And it's all about standards now, you know, it's... It's, it's easy for players to be good one week and bad the, the next week, but to be a good player or to be a top player, it's about the consistency. And I think that will be the next thing that Jim will be you know, demanding from his players. They've been on a really good run, but can we keep this up? Um, and and if they, if, as I said, if they do perform tomorrow to their capabilities, then I think they will win the game. So it's two six o'clock kickoffs uh, tomorrow night. It is St Mirren against Hamilton and Paisley, and it is Celtic uh, against an Aberdeen side with uh, all sorts of uh, accusing fingers being pointed to their performances and results at the moment. And uh, Neil Lennon uh, had words of comfort today for another manager under pressure in Derek McInnes. I think Derek's an outstanding manager. Um, he's done something, you know, not many modern-day managers do. He's had that longevity at, at one club. I think he's been very loyal to Aberdeen when he could have gone on to maybe bigger and better things at other clubs, but he's he's remained loyal and, and stayed. And um, I think that loyalty should be reciprocated at the minute. We all go through difficult periods this season. is not normal by any stretch of the imagination, as we've seen not just here in Scotland but elsewhere. So I think... If anyone deserves a, a bit of loyalty and patience, it's, it's Derek. It's a bleak outlook uh, for Aberdeen at the moment, Crags, as they head for Celtic Park uh, tomorrow night. They've got some tough games upcoming. Uh, one win in nine, five games without a goal. Um, they're dropping away from Hibs. That, that battle for third place is going in favour of Hibs at the moment. Do you fear for Aberdeen? Well, fear for them as in I don't think they're going to catch Hibs. I just think Hibs are better structured at the minute. There's more confidence going through them. They've got players in form. Uh, I think it's possibly Derek's worst run as Aberdeen manager. I was trying to have a look back today. I can't imagine that he uh, had a look back at different seasons. I don't I think he's had a run of one win in nine yeah. up to that point. So, listen, Derek knows he had the vote of confidence last week from, from Dave Cormack and the board, and you can look into it whatever way you want. But Derek knows when you're managing Aberdeen, the only way to dispel the myth of being under pressure is to win games. That's the only way to do it. And he knows himself he has to start winning games. He does have a tough one now going to Celtic Park because they look as if they're rejuvenated a little bit. They will want to make it five wins in a row. You know, he's changed his forward line on transfer deadline day, which was a risk because Callum Hendry hasn't really been a regular goal scorer. I think Fraser Hornby, the jury's still out with regards. He's untried. It's all passing him by yeah. at the moment. And and, and Florian Camberry is has been inconsistent over his career. So it's a risk he thought was worth taking. You know, ideally he wouldn't want to do that, but um, I don't think Derek will be appreciated fully by the Aberdeen fans until he's gone, until a few years down the line. And they actually look back at his consistency level of getting into Europe. You know, Dave Cormack has continually spoken about, you know, Derek has uh, has aims to reach, which is getting the top three, top four, get themselves European football. I think the biggest disappointment is only one trophy during his tenure. 
and the Aberdeen fans have always felt that in European football they could have went a few stages further and potentially got themselves into the group stages. So there's regrets that go along with it. Um, you know, it's been there a long time. Sometimes people just want freshness for freshness to sick. So well, let's talk and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk to John, who is an Aberdeen fan. Hi, John. Even Rob, even guys, how are you? Okay. Yeah, Hi, John. All well, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, good. Also concerned about the the, the little run we're on. I've um, been just listening to um, your thoughts about it all. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, no, I don't wish it, but um, I think there's. I think it's time for freshness at Pataudry. To be perfectly honest, I mean, he's been there eight, eight years. It's been it's been good, you know, compared to where we were to where we are now. It's almost uh, it's almost night and day where the club's been. Um, but I just think things are going a little bit stale. Um, I mean, earlier in the season we were playing good football and you know we're winning games and keep, keeping clean sheets. But you know, when we had a couple of um, injury doubts. Um, after after the international break in November, that's what's probably started to unravel a bit, and we went back to tight playing the long ball football, which is it's not it's not pleasing to watch. But if you're winning games, you don't care as much. But we're not winning games now. We're not scoring. I mean, five games at a goal is extremely worrying. I know it's not all the manager's fault. No. Um, he's trying different players, etc. The players need to step up. But and I, and I think I think Johnny, I think I think he said at the weekend that that he. That the the sale of Scott Wright now, as opposed to the end of the season, uh, was against his wishes. Um, that 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 happened, I think, over his head, and there wasn't much he could do about the injury to Ryan Hedges, which has kept him out for the rest of the season. Now, in Wright and Hedges, you're talking about two of Aberdeen's main attacking weapons out of the side, aren't you? Oh yeah, with it. I mean, I would say Hedges is probably arguably our best player this season, along with Ross McCrory. Um, and you know him being out for the rest of the season is a huge blow. Um, the, the difficulty with the Scott Wright situation. I mean, um, it's, it, it, I mean, had he stayed, you know, it's luckily fans wouldn't have been at the grounds because you know what Aberdeen fans can be like, unfortunately, <laughs> when players are out for the Rangers. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, um, you had a player there who knew he was going, and being a flair player like Scott Wright as well, um, I don't think his heart would have been out. Um, you know that you're possibly a bad challenge away from, you know, missing out on your move um, to to a club like Rangers. So, would his heart have been in it? I'm not 100 percent sure. So, probably the board acted the right way, um, but it's, it's a difficult one. Um, but there's still players that need to step up. I think Lewis Ferguson's went off the boil a little bit, which is concerning because his goals yeah. at the start of the season were, were critical. I think They've it's nearly four. Up. I think it's nearly four months, John, since since he scored. I mean, he was on that amazing burst, yeah. helped by six penalties. But I'm going to get Marv's thoughts here because I mean, you've got a you've got recent evidence uh, of having played against Aberdeen twice in quick succession. What did you make, Marv, of what sort of shape they're in? Um, I think they're going for a, for a difficult period. I think that's that's clear for anybody to see. Um, you know, when we played them uh, up at Aberdeen, I think we just outfought them, and that was probably the first time playing against an Aberdeen team where I just felt that you know we were, we were all over them, and they didn't have an answer to it. Um, so it is difficult. Obviously, you've seen that the manager tried to bring on two two lone players or two attackers. I think that was Hornby's first game against us, and Flo Cambrari's also came in, but they're not played a lot of football. Yeah. So you know, it's a massive problem. Like you say, you you haven't you know won in a while, and you haven't scored in five games, and the two attacking players you are bringing in, hoping to get you out of this kind of uh, mini rut, are two boys that haven't played for a long time. That well, there were three to... actually. Callum Hendry's well, coming well, as well. Yeah, he wasn't I mean, playing much either. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's only going to be two out of three, though, isn't it? I think Hendry will be more of an impact sub if I'm honest. 
Thomas and you expect Canberry probably to start, but they haven't played a lot of football. So you're waiting for them to get up to speed and also get you out of the, the trouble you're currently in. By the time, you know, I think Canberry's played, I think, a six games or something like that so far this season. You know, he's going to need at least five games. So in five games time, you know, where are Aberdeen going to be? And, you know, they've got to be finishing in third place. You know, I know Hibs are, are, are doing well, but the, the board are going to expect to be finishing in third place because looking at the budget and they, they've backed the manager. I know they've sold Cosgrove and he said that, you know, right went against his wishes, but, you know, they, they have they have backed him in terms of bringing players in. Um, so, you know, I think the pressure is going to be on, but, you know, he's, he's a good manager and I, I think he'll get out of this. Is there, John, a be careful what you wish for factor here in wishing uh, Derek McInnes out of the job because who, who who's taken over? Well, the one I wanted, um, I would have liked to have seen come in was Jim Goodwin, but he's obviously signed a new deal, which takes him to 2024. Good compensation, that would be um, for some money, I'd imagine, which Aberdeen right now won't be able to afford, so that rules out. Um, I don't well, really know. I, I, get, I get the argument of, um, you know, um, be careful what you wish for, because I remember that happened when Jim McCaldwood left. We've got Mark McGee. We don't want to talk about that era. Um, so, <laughs> But I think we're in a good position. We're in a position where... A decent enough manager, a good track record, could come and and change things. Um, I know the ambition for Aberdeen. Um, it's always hard competing with Celtic and Rangers. Um, there is that argument: how how much further can a new manager take them? But um, right now we're on a bit of a slippery slope. And had Livingston, fortunately, um, no, not lost those last couple of games. They could have been above us, and I think Livingston. Um, will be disappointed a little um, with that kind of form, especially going to the cup final, Marvin. I hope um, it picks up for you before then. Cheers. No, hopefully it does. Like you said, yeah, we were obviously disappointed to lose those two games because we were looking up rather than down. But now I think we've kind of got to look over our shoulders and make sure we make the top six first and foremost. So, no, you're right. But talking of names for the, the Aberdeen job, I, know I hate speaking about when managers are in place, but Robinson from, the, was it Motherwell? You know, Stephen the, Robinson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the transformation he made. Drags, did your pal fancy that one? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I haven't spoke to him about it. I would imagine Aberdeen is an attractive proposition. It was almost like when people used to say, you know, the Celtic job, who would want it? <laughs> who wouldn't? Yeah. You know, there'd be a list as long as you want. The Aberdeen job is an attractive job. You know, John's touched on it there. They've got a good budget. You know, they've got good players at the club. So, you know, without, you know, putting Derek away, anybody would be interested in the Aberdeen job, which is why Derek's thinking, I'm here, I want to stay here because it's a proper football club, got a good fan base, got good history behind it, and there's always the potential to move on. But I think, John, the biggest criticism from some Aberdeen fans towards Derek McInnes has been the style of football. You know, they want this pleasing in the eye stuff. But suppose the balance is, do you want the pleasing in the eye stuff or do you want to be challenging for Europe every season? Or both? Well, <laughs> well both, obviously. I, I think, I think to be fair, Stephen, as I mentioned before, if we're winning games 1-0, 2-1 without playing the best football, sometimes you can turn a blind eye to that. Yeah. But that's not happening. And I think there was a lot of times last season, um, I'll be brutally honest, Aberdeen and Lombard Hearts were probably the worst team in the league to watch for a long period um, because it was just all long ball, long ball. Now, earlier on in the season, we tried a different way and it was working. We were winning games. We probably The, the biggest um, criticism was, although we were winning games, we weren't really blowing teams away like we're winning games 1-0 when it should have been like 3 or 4 in some of the matches earlier in the season but recently we've went back to type and it's just it's just not good to watch I mean you think of Derek's um, first few years probably up to 2017-18 we were really good to watch with Hayes McGinn and uh, Rooney at their peak we were blowing teams away at times apart from Celtic obviously because they were miles ahead um, yeah, so I think it yeah, but you had Ryan Jack you had Kenny McLean you know what I mean yeah uh, 
I mean, Graham Shinney. Yeah, and that was always the issue, mm-hmm. wasn't it? That Aberdeen always had to replace one or two players every summer because clubs kept coming and taking them on. That was always the hard bit, was trying to replace that kind of quality for what you were letting go. And even even this season, I mean, I know he wasn't doing it in recent times, but but Sam Cosgrove has scored twenty goals in each of the last two seasons for Aberdeen. So he he has he has been solving that problem of, of getting goals for the last couple of years. And and Scott McKenna, Scotland defender Scott McKenna, was sold very early on in the season. Um, and and these are these have been all about. Um, mending the financial issues in an ongoing sort of basis which comes into it all as well and you were talking John about you know the potential of paying compensation for a new manager um, but it would be a pretty costly exercise to get rid of Derek McInnes and Tony Doherty apart from anything else Yeah because they've got another what year after the summer they've got another year left in their deal um, but you know, I think Dave Cormack's got a really big decision. I mean, I'm not going to shout McInnes out. Um, it's, it's not my style. I do think there is a change need, needed, but I'd love him to prove me wrong and um, get us to third place. And if the Scottish Cup resumes, I'd love him to win that because um, we've not won that for 31 years. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, in, but in terms of, uh, yeah, Dave Cormack's got a major decision to make um, yeah. over, over the summer, um, you know, because... You're talking about potential season tickets or virtual season tickets, whatever's happened with the crowds um, for next season. Um, he's got them people to, to win over as well. Sure and I know finances are tight. We don't know what's going to happen to the stadium now because of the uh, finances. Um, but he's got to be up. Have Aberdeen got a better chance of European football ne- you know, beyond next season with Derek McInnes in charge or with someone else? And that's what he's got to weigh up at the end of the day. And if, they, if, if he's got more doubts... Um, about McInnes he's got to make that decision John good to have you on the show as ever look after yourself thank you all the best yeah, you too, guys. That, that was Aberdeen fan John who's suffering big style at the moment and uh, well tough games coming up for the Dons two of the next three are against Celtic starting tomorrow night the Bull Radio Football Show let's go the football just keeps on coming. Champions League is back as of tonight. Liverpool in Leipzig. And it's, uh, well, Marvin Bartley's uh, choice uh, tonight is going to be Barca against PSG, not surprisingly. You've just seen the teams flashing in front of us there on the screen. Marv, what's your what's your thought on that one tonight? I, I think PSG are going to win it. Um, There's a few shocks in the PSG team now. We're looking at uh, Keane from uh, Everton. He wasn't good enough to play there and now he's playing against Barcelona in the Champions League so not a bad loan move for him but um, yeah, I think PSG will win this one. And Liverpool and Leipzig and uh, Liverpool almost human this season, Craigs. Yeah, under a little bit of pressure Jurgen Klopp's come under the spotlight. Uh, You know, there's no doubt they've missed Virgil van Dijk so it's an opportunity for them to to go deep into the Champions League again. I think Leipzig are a very good side lots of pace in their team so another good one. I'm actually going home to watch the team support from back home Glenn Torner playing Porto oh, Down come tonight. On. Glenn Torner playing Porto Down that is a bigger game <laughs> is than that? Barcelona against oh, I might watch that. PSG for me. you're right <laughs> you see proper football you see proper tackles and elbows and kicks and the referee just waves play on proper football is that the glamour game in your world that is the glamour game in my world I grew up as a season ticket holder so when I get the chance to watch the games I'm going home to watch it tonight certainly a glamour game for Rangers later on in the week uh, Thursday night just 48 hours away uh, in Belgium Royal Antwerp 
against Rangers last 32 of the Europa League those group stages seem like a long time ago uh, now but Rangers need to lift themselves in terms of performance uh, going into that game and it's two games in a week back at Ibrox uh, the following Thursday so it's 8 o'clock this Thursday it's 5-6 to six the following Thursday as Rangers target a place in the last 16 and if they can recapture their form of earlier in the campaign uh, then that must be very much on the cards for them uh, more immediately tomorrow night in the championship Inverness against uh, Queen of the South who uh, came very close within minutes of beating hearts last Friday night that's a half six tomorrow night in the Highland capital the weather should be okay I think this time uh, for that one two premiership games of course tomorrow night we've been speaking plenty about them uh, St Mirren against on form Hamilton Hamilton doing their usual in the lower reaches of the premiership uh, the Houdini of the top 12 are planning another escape uh, from any relegation worries up against St Mirren of course who've been on such great form and their gaffer has got a new contract alongside his assistant Lee Sharp it's Celtic uh, against Aberdeen in the east end of Glasgow Celtic looking to build on their recent run looking to make it five wins on the bounce and what have they learned from that difficult patch that they appear eventually to have come through here's Callum McGregor I think it's been a, a learning curve definitely in, in that sense where you probably learn more about yourself and, and the team when you when you lose games you learn more about yourself as a character and a person to have the success and then obviously to, to drop off this year and not have just as much success then it, it helps you refocus and rebalance yourself for for obviously future challenges but you know, ideally we would, we would want to go on and win it again but you know, like I said we have to learn and when we come back in the in the summer we keep pushing on between now and the end of the season and then in the summer we, we come back with a freshness again We were speaking earlier on I think it was maybe when Regan uh, phoned in um, about the, the players wanting out of Celtic presumably uh, there are still players there wanting out and it's a conversation that goes back a long way to uh, Neil Lennon uh, being very vocal on the back of losing to Ferenc Varos and, and going out of those Champions mm-hmm. League qualifiers and talking uh, about players who wanted away from the club what's his take today on that very subject? Not necessarily you know every sort of individual situation has to be taken on its own merits so again you know yeah I've touched on you know how unhappy Hatem was with you know the living conditions away from his work and how difficult it was for him on a personal level and you have to take in the health and well-being of individuals as well now you know more than ever so again you just look at each individual case and you know will sort of come hopefully to the right decision going forward on each one yeah, so the pictures of uh, Hatem El Hamed being uh, reunited with his boy mm. in Israel. Um, it was kind of moving stuff, and you can understand what he's been going through. Uh, he's gone back to Hapel Beersheba, I think it is, uh, in Israel. Um, uh, Olivier Encham is on loan back in French football again. Jeremy Frimpong has gone uh, in return for a rather nice. Uh, cash injection for Celtic of the best part of of £12 million but there's a a lot clearly still to come. Are we still talking about a lot of Celtic players uh, eyeing the exit door, Crags? Well, first and foremost, you have three loanees who I imagine will go back to their clubs which would be El Yunusi, would be Shane Duffy and would be Diego Laxalt. Uh, Scott Brown, Marvin touched on earlier, is about 35 years of age. You just wonder, you know, how long he's got left in him. 
you know whether he'll be a major impact player for Celtic next season or whether he'll be a squad player just to, to uh, play in certain games. You've got Ryan Christie, you've got Lee Griffiths, you've got Odson Edward, uh, Christopher Ayer, all within uh, 18 months of their deals expiring. So if Celtic want to make the most of those players and get the best return and the best transfer fee, you would think they're going to have to go in the summer because once they enter the final six months of their contract, then the, uh, the, the potential income is slashed dramatically so I would imagine unless those players can sign contracts in the summer which goes back to the question of who's going to be the manager if the club <laughs> offer you a new four year deal they say well who's in charge because there's been so much uncertainty players aren't immune to what's going on around about them players aren't immune that Neil Lennon is continually being asked will you be here will you not be here what's going to happen Eddie Howe's linked other managers are linked so if you're a player and you're offered a new contract the first thing I'd be saying is who's going to be in charge or if you're a player who's going to come in you'd say well who's going to be in charge then and they, you would want guarantees it's either Neil Lennon or if you're promised to be someone else. So I can imagine there's going to be a big turnover. And as I said, because of the financial figures, the money that goes out will be used to generate and bring the new players in. But he's a big figure in the history of the club, no doubt about that. I think we all uh, reflect with great positivity on what he's done for Celtic as both player and manager. And I think he delivered a really big message today. And I want to end the show uh, pretty much the way we started it, with uh, an attack from the Celtic manager on all the abuse that's happening at the moment on social media. The pressure that football in its own right is starting to put on these social media platforms. It should have been done a long time ago. And these social media platforms display any accountability or look after the people who are on the end of this constant abuse, whether it be racial, whether it be sectarian, whether it be personal, whether it be social. It's a, a real poison in modern day society. It's more prevalent, you know, in football because it's so so much more public and out there. It's disgusting. Fed up of talking about it now because nothing gets done. It's about time these people were named, shamed, you know, dealt with by police or the courts because it's just totally unacceptable. It, it, it's almost as if it's all right to do it now. You know, it's almost as if your own personal thoughts can be put out on a public platform. Maybe you've had a few drinks, you don't mean it, but it's out there and you have no regard for the recipient, you know, and I'm seeing it a lot in English football now. It's just, it, it's got to come to a head. I know you spoke about it earlier, Marv, but it's an important message uh, and a timely one from, from Neil Lennon, isn't it? Yeah, an extremely important message, um, you know, and, and he's right in everything he says. So, you know, we, we can only hope that the, the, the social media companies do something about it and, and just people think before they send stuff, you know, as we said earlier, it's, it's easy for them to send something and then kind of delete their accounts with the person that you're affecting by sending it and their family. It's just not fair and all because you don't agree with them, all because of the job they do. So... You know, with all that's going on at this moment in time and, and you know, the Car Caroline Flack uh, anniversary was, was yesterday, yeah. you know, it just shows that, you know, the effect that this can have on people. Um, so, you know, really, I want people to think before they send stuff because, as I said, you know, it, it's just not fair. Marv, thanks for that. Thanks for everything tonight. Thanks to Craig's as well. Join us again uh, tomorrow night. It is Paul Cooney, Barry Ferguson and Leanne Crichton on the Go Radio Football Show tomorrow at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pump servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk.